Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast. We're your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, we explore a different perspective on or expression of depression because it varies in form and severity, affecting us differently. Our guests share intimate details of their struggles, coping strategies, and recovery. We keep it real because the struggle is real. We keep it hopeful because there is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We're not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and know that talking about the illness reduces stigma and humanizes the experience, making it safer and easier to ask for needed support. You are far from alone. Hi, Terry. Hello, Bridget. In recent weeks, Terry and I have been invited to be guests for a couple of other mental health podcasts. Mm -hmm. Being the practical, efficient gals that we are, we (laughs) interviewed them as well so that we could share the host's perspectives and lessons on this podcast. Today, Bobby Temps from Mental, the podcast to destigmatize mental health joins us to talk about his experience of depression and the difference that a national discussion on mental health is making in England and his efforts to make mental health education mandatory, like physical education in his country. It should be. So while Bobby believes that his own depression started in his preteens, it wasn't until university that it really became a problem for him. For many people, university is is really brilliant. However, for me, it was something I never planned to do. Um, I have dyslexia, and that's part of the reason why I struggled a lot at school. I already had a job. Um, I was working at a department store here, and I was ready to just start living as an adult and continue making money and working and uh, getting more and more independence. And then it came to decisions about university and it was never something I wanted to do but to do with my family and their kind of expectations and the expectations that have been placed on them it didn't seem a lot like there was any choice. Bobby describes that time as one of living someone else's expectations instead of his own life. Within just a few months his mental health slope got very slippery. I guess it happened so fast and that was the the bit that really scared me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I knew that feeling suicidal was getting nearer and nearer. Yes. You know, a lot of my self-care had just completely gone at that point. I really wasn't looking after myself. Um, And just basic things like washing or brushing my teeth and things Mm -hmm. that... It makes me feel a bit disgusting, like, looking back on that. But I wasn't even keeping up with basics, things like that. You were ill. The fact that it all happened so quickly and I was away from my usual support network um, really exaggerated things. Do, do you remember the thought process that allowed you in that space to say, I need to reach out and get help, something's wrong, and I'm starting on that path that could lead to suicide? Because that's a hard thing to do when you're in it. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm very grateful that I have some sort of good self-preservation instinct. That instinct led him to go online to research depression, an illness he had heard of but had never really discussed and certainly wasn't taught about. 
I remember at the time I became really obsessive over like researching depression because I knew I had to do something. And because my reading hasn't always been so good, I love audiobooks. And so I was listening to all kinds of books about mental health and I was reading up a lot online. And I remember there's like a test on the NHS, National Health Service website, mm -hmm. which suggests whether it won't diagnose you with depression, but it will suggest whether you may have it and it may be worth talking to a GP. And so I remember I did that again and again and I thought, oh, well, maybe I'm over-exaggerating that answer if I just turn that one down a notch and then every single time I take the online test, it still said, yes. you may have depression, speak to your GP. Yes. So Bobby did just that. Both the online test results and his suspicions were confirmed. The diagnosis felt very helpful because it gave me a lot of clarity. And looking back, it made a lot more sense of my life growing up. Mm -hmm. There were plenty of times where I clearly was depressed, but at the time I didn't realize that. Over the holidays, Bobby's parents gave him their blessing to leave university. And so I did, and then very quickly, when I got back to working and my friends and home, mm -hmm. um, I got a lot better. But I've never forgot how bad I got. And I think to a certain extent, I've been running from that since and doing whatever I can to, to safeguard against ever being put in a situation like that again. And let's talk about some of those things. Does that include therapy? Does that include medications? What, what are What's in your toolbox? So, yes, uh, therapy has been really helpful. So I have a counselor I see um, every one or two weeks. Um, I'm, I'm in long-term counselling, so it's there's a fair bit to go. There's always new things to work through, but that's been incredibly helpful. But also really outside of that kind of professional support, I've found it really important to strengthen my support systems. So I have since moved away from home. You know, I now have my own place. I have a brilliant flatmate. I have loads of close friends that live nearby and I have a great team I work with and so I don't think it would be possible for me to get anything like that bad without somebody or probably many people stepping in. Even with those supports and safeguards in place now, Bobby can't help but wonder how things could have been different if as a child he'd been taught the symptoms of depression the words to express what he was experiencing and permission to safely say them. Many, many people, including myself, I went through my whole education experience without any teacher ever mentioning mental health. And that's really concerning because by not talking about it, it creates stigma because it teaches kids that it's not something you talk about. They can hear about things like... Um, sex education, they can hear about recreational drugs, they can hear about joyriding and the dangers in these things, all in the classroom. Sensitive topics, yes. Exactly, all kinds of sensitive topics, and yet mental health is being left out. And so then it almost creates a situation where it's like, oh, that's worse. Talking about this is worse than talking about sex. And for many kids, they, they do internalize that. And so they grow up thinking they've got to bury this 
and they can't talk about mental health. They can look it up online, but they can't talk about it. And so often that means they do seek help later. For many kids, they seek help too late. And I'm confident we've lost many, many lives as a result of that. I know of plenty of personal stories people have told me where um, they've not known that a family member was in any kind of distress until they committed suicide. And that can't continue. It absolutely cannot. In your own life, would it have made a difference if in what we call elementary school, you had started to at least hear about it? I think definitely. I'm confident that situation would have been different and potentially easier if I'd already had a greater understanding of mental health. Um, and I've already talked about how much research I put in yes. to try and understand what was happening to me right. because I did feel very lost and afraid of that situation. And it's an incredibly odd thing to even describe being afraid of something that's going on inside your own mind, your own body. That experience motivated Bobby to start a petition to get mental health education on the curriculum in all UK schools. He's collected more than 105,000 signatures and delivered them to 10 Downing Street. The Department of Education there supports the change, but until it's voted into law, it's not official. Still, with that effort and in his daily life having and promoting discussions of mental health, Bobby is affecting change. Many people in my own life who I've known for years have come forward to me and told me about things that I never knew have told me about mental illness, they've experienced, have told me about being on medication a few years ago and they'd never told me at the time. Sometimes that's all it takes is one person close to you speaking up about this gives you the power you need to be like, oh, it is okay that this is happening to me and that I can go and seek support for it. So you mentioned the the benefit of just one person, and of course in that context it was you. Do you notice the benefit when that one person is Prince Harry saying, there's nothing better than being able to share your experiences and ask for advice from someone who has actually been through it rather than a complete stranger or someone who doesn't actually get what you've been through? Do you see an effect of having that conversation literally starting at the top coming down in your country? Yes, definitely. And people really do watch the royals closely here and so any any wedding any big announcement like that you really do notice a difference it does send shockwaves and people really relate to it even people that may not know that much about mental illness even people that may not be actively involved in it the fact that they're hearing those conversations going on is a validation so it's when you say it validates it as a real issue, but how does it actually stimulate the conversation? Do you think there's an actual cause and effect with, well, if he can have it, I can have it? I think definitely. And it really seems to make a difference generationally as well. So there's friends of mine who have experienced mental illness and their parents haven't always understood what that means, or they've just seen it as something that, that needs to be fixed or just take a medication or just do this or they'll want to explain it away it's it's almost like it's good PR for 
mental illness because then if someone's trying to come to terms with their son or daughter having a mental illness and then they see that a royal has had that mm-hmm. same experience well then it's it's almost moving closer to being a compliment of oh well they've got something in common with a royal it can't, it can't, oh, can't be all that horrific <laughs> so it's gone from just destigmatizing it to making it actually like yeah i've got something the prince has oh that's really funny yeah, it's it's not as extreme as that, but it's almost like that's yes. the way it's heading, and I don't think that's entirely a bad thing. Bobby has transformed his own dark, scary experience into a stigma-fighting force, which has at its core the simple and potentially life-saving truth that we're enough, just as we are. To me, that's an incredibly important message, because as much as we can talk about mental illness and all the ways you can better understand it, all the ways you can better communicate it and get support for it, there's still incredible power in acknowledging that wherever you are, whoever you are, you are enough in this moment, that actually you don't have to have all that fixed to be an acceptable human being. You're acceptable because you're human and we're all acceptable. And I think I wish that I'd heard that more growing up. Isn't that nice to hear? I just think you are enough in this moment. You actually don't have to have everything fixed and all of your stuff together to be an acceptable human being. And when he said it, I was just like, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever you are, whoever you are, you are enough. Mm -hmm. Bobby, thank you for being the change. Absolutely. Be the change you want to see in the world. We're going to put a link to Bobby's podcast and his petition. And if you live in the UK, you might want to sign it. Mm -hmm. It's an important message to say it's okay to not be okay and to make sure that kids learn that at an early age. And that ripple effect of, you know, if one child can get words to talk about it um, or notice it in somebody else, then it just goes on and on and on. Absolutely. Oh, very good. So thank you very much, Bobby, again, for sharing your story and for uh, having us as guests on your podcast. That was great fun. Bridget, nice talking to you. And uh, anybody celebrating holidays, enjoy them. Absolutely. Bye. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on Depression's Dark Road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.